Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. There's this oddly popular Instagram account called Bird Graveyard. It has nothing to do with actual birds, but rather electric scooters. And Bird, well, if you don't know already, it's one of the biggest e-scooter companies out there. On this account, people upload images and videos of electric scooters being smashed, tossed from buildings, set on fire, or knocked over like dominoes. Get it, girl! (laughs) I probably spent way too much time on this site. It's kind of hard to take your eyes off of it. One thing I did notice, there is this strange obsession with throwing electric scooters into bodies of water. The Pacific Ocean, the Willamette River in Portland, the Seine in Paris, the reflecting pool in front of the Lincoln Memorial? Really? What is going on here? Where did this all begin? Those electric scooters from companies like Lime and Bird. Electric scooters are taking over cities. It's an e-scooter invasion. Electric scooters like this one have flooded the streets of Santa Monica in recent months. Here's where it started. Two years ago in Santa Monica, California. That's when Bird, without much fuss or warning, put 10 dockless electric scooters on the streets and then made them available for anyone to rent who downloaded the company's app. Soon after, these scooters were all over the city. And in the months that followed, Bird and its competitors like Lime and Scoot expanded quickly and relentlessly across the country and the world. Bird is the word in Atlanta. Scooters have officially landed in downtown Cincinnati. A new flock of wheels just hit the Bay Area. Electric scooters. Germany is joining the global craze for e-scooters. Hundreds more e-scooters will hit the streets of Auckland later this week. Two years after those first 10 scooters, Bird is worth nearly $3 billion. Its closest competitor, Lime, is worth close to $2.5 billion. That is astonishing when you consider there are still more cities to conquer, like New York. If they're worth this much, clearly people are riding the scooters, and investors believe there's a future for these companies. So why are people hurling them into lakes and rivers? When did Child's Play get so angry? From Business Insider, this is brought to you by... Brands you can trust. Brands you know, stories you don't. I'm Charlie Herman. We know about ride shares and bike shares, but in a flash, the latest transportation trend is shared electric scooters. Overnight, it feels like they're everywhere. And if they haven't arrived in your city yet, don't worry, they will. People love them. I ride them all the time. People hate them. There are too many of them. I'm a little concerned about my safety around them. But who's actually responsible for them? 
Today, what happens when two guys in San Diego have had enough and decide to take matters into their own hands? And later, in a new segment, what does a chocolate frog have to do with inflation? Stay with us. This episode, I'm going to do something a little different. Instead of focusing on one brand, I want to look at one product, electric scooters. That's because right now, there are so many different companies putting these scooters on the streets and sidewalks in so many cities, the brand you know might not be the same one as in another city. But they are everywhere. Bird, Lime, Lyft, Razor, Skip, Scoot, not to mention the international ones like Grow Mobility and Bolt. To tell this story, I want to focus on one city struggling to respond to this flood of scooters, San Diego. That's because something is going on there that isn't happening anywhere else. Like in Santa Monica, scooters seemingly appeared out of nowhere. I first noticed the bird scooters maybe two weeks ago. They just dropped off a ton of them, and now they're everywhere. And as they have in other cities, the scooter companies say they provide a green solution to San Diego's transportation needs. I work literally on the opposite side of downtown from where I park, so... It's a 20-minute walk or like a four-minute scooter. And just like other cities, there are fans and there are critics. The concerns usually fall into two categories. The first is how people use them. Are they on the sidewalk or in the street? How fast are they going? Are riders wearing helmets, obeying traffic laws? And then when the riders are done, a host of other issues kick in. Since the whole point of these e-scooters is that you can leave them anywhere, do riders leave them nice and neatly out of the way using the kickstand? Or do they dump them in piles on street corners where they can block wheelchair ramps or create tripping hazards? These problems exist everywhere. But here's what makes San Diego different. My name is Dan Borelli, and I'm one of the two co-founders of Scoop Scoop. And I'm John Heinkel, and I am the other co-founder of Scoop Scoop. John Heinkel and Dan Borelli, and you got it, Scoot Scoop. Most mornings, they wake up around 4 a.m. and pile into their pickup truck to patrol the city for rogue scooters and then scoop them up. This is Heinkel. We spend uh, 12 hours a day, seven days a week together, minimum. We sent our producer, Sarah Wyman, to San Diego to ride along in the truck on their morning rounds. So did you ever think you'd be doing a podcast about scooters? About scooters? I never ruled it out. And almost a year into this gig, Borelli and Heinkel are a well-oiled machine. Borelli drives the truck around town to check out properties where they have contracts. Along the way, he pulls into loading zones and drives through back alleys so the two guys can unbuckle, hop out, and haul scooters off the private property and then put them in their pickup truck. And really, Heinkel and Borelli have these scooters to thank for bringing them together. They're sort of an unlikely duo. Heinkel is a scruffy ex-Marine who owned a towing business for 25 years. My company specialized in recovering collateral that was purchased in the United States on a um, payment plan and then removed from the United States and taken to foreign countries, and they stopped paying for them. In other words, he was a repo man, and his job sent him around the world to repossess anything from rental cars to yachts to... Whatever it is, yeah, they would put a down payment down, or they would, I'm sure, had all intentions to pay for it, but then they'd end up in Costa Rica, and they'd say, hmm, gee, why pay for it? I'm here. Perhaps not surprisingly, it didn't always go smoothly. Like the time Heinkel started towing a car outside of a McDonald's, and the owner came running out and chased him. Turns out that guy had just murdered someone inside, and Heinkel was taking his getaway car. In the repossession business, it's a good idea to wear bulletproof vests. Uh, noted. Borelli, on the other hand, owns Boardwalk Electric Rides with his wife. 
It's a bike and scooter shop about a block away from the ocean in Pacific Beach. And he's more of a lover, not a fighter, especially when it comes to cats. At least that's according to Heinkel. Dan is a cat. He loves cats. Love he owns cats. cats. I have a couple he, cats. He has a couple cats. Oh, the good-natured teasing and gentle ribbing is basically nonstop with these two guys. But the core of their business, the reason they're here, is serious. They share a profound frustration with how e-scooters are used and then left behind throughout San Diego. Again, Heinkel. He and I hit it off right away, joking and laughing about things, and he was very passionate about the scooters. I could care less about them in the beginning. While Heinkel didn't give the scooters much thought at first, for Borelli, they were an issue, almost since they first came to San Diego. He remembers arriving at his shop every morning, where he'd find his path to unlock the door blocked by rows of e-scooters from Bird and Lime and other companies. And this was especially frustrating because Borelli also made a living renting out bikes and electric scooters. So they were, in essence, using my bike shop to rent out their products. So this was, you know, getting under my skin big time. Boardwalk Electric Bikes is located in a two-story building on one of the busiest streets near the beach. There's a juice bar, a poke restaurant, a gym on the second floor, and a nail spa. So, yeah, your typical Southern California strip mall. This is also tourist central, and rentals, especially scooters, are in high demand. If you had been here a year ago, you wouldn't have been able to walk through these uh, pathways because it was filled with scooters. It was that bad? Everywhere. Oh, wait. Just wait till you see. As we drive around, you will just be amazed. If you're not familiar with how these dockless e-scooters work, you start by downloading the app for one of the companies. Then you use it to find a nearby scooter. Through the app, you scan a code on the scooter, and that in turn unlocks it and your rental begins. In general, scooters are limited to top speeds around 15 to 20 miles an hour. A rental runs about a dollar per ride plus per minute charges that vary from city to city. So for example, if it takes you about a half an hour to walk a mile, on a scooter, that could be a four minute ride and cost around $2. Finally, and this is one of the best parts, once you're done, you leave the scooter wherever you are, usually standing upright using the kickstand, or if you're one of those people, dropping it on the ground. Then you walk away. Many of the companies behind e-scooters rolled into cities fast, following the model and perhaps unofficial motto of other tech startups like Airbnb and Uber that it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Often, by the time scooters do arrive, cities haven't had a chance to develop comprehensive regulations. Now, the companies ask riders to click accept on a user agreement on the app, and that outlines some basic rules of the road. But specific laws vary from place to place. Some cities say you can ride on the sidewalks, others prohibit it. Most cities require helmets, but some don't. And as the companies rush to get their scooters into the hands of riders, the lack of regulation could be good for business and winning over customers. Here's the founder and CEO of Bird, Travis Vanderzanden, speaking at the Vanity Fair New Establishment Summit a year ago. Places where there's no laws, that's where we go in and, and work closely with the cities, educate them on all the things we're doing around safety. But do you work closely with them after you've already put the scooters out on the streets, or do you do it sort of as a proactive thing? Uh, it usually happens around the same time. <laughs> Vander Zanden is smiling as he says this, and you can hear some chuckling to his reply because it doesn't always happen that way. While companies like his move fast and break things, as the expression goes, cities move slow and commission studies, even as thousands of scooters are zipping this way and that on their streets and sidewalks. That's what happened in San Diego. Do you know how many scooters are on the streets in San Diego? No, I don't know. I don't know where they go. I don't know how many there are. We should know, but I don't know. 
Barbara Bree is a city council member who represents the northwestern part of San Diego. She's no stranger to how tech companies sometimes operate. Before she became a politician, she worked in the industry as an entrepreneur, a founder, and an investor. When these tech companies go into cities like San Diego, they take advantage of local government officials who don't understand these business models and don't understand what the long-term impact of these companies is going to be on the residents and on our neighborhoods. And government doesn't stand up as fast as it should. The scooter companies might disagree. A spokesperson for Lime said the industry is still young and continues to improve. And Bird said it does go through appropriate channels. Quote, it can't be done without working with the city. Back in 2018, as scooter companies released their two-wheelers and city officials began to consider how to respond, Borelli was fighting his own battle with the e-scooters in front of his rental business. He called several towing companies about removing them from what is private property, but they wouldn't touch the scooters. Then one day, Heinkel strolled into Borelli's shop wearing a towing shirt. John came walking into my business one day and had a flat tire with his daughter's bike. And uh, he came on in the shop to get the tire fixed, and we start chatting about all the scooters that were laying all over the property here and what we were doing about them. And I looked at him like I hadn't had a clue. And, you know, I, I egged him on a little bit and said, you know, what would you do about it? You're, you've got a towing shirt on. You can tow a car. Can't you tow a scooter? It turned out, yes, he could. And Scoot Scoop was born. A pickup truck and two guys who decided enough is enough. Let's tow him. That story when we come back. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. We're back. So what's it look like when two self-appointed defenders against urban clutter, sporting blue polo shirts with the logo of a scooter crossed out in a red circle, what's it look like when they decide to take on billion-dollar tech companies? Our job is to come in the morning and make sure that the owner of these properties don't come into a big mess of scooters. So that's what we're doing so early. On this early summer morning, the two men start off where it all began, the strip mall where Borelli has his bike and scooter rental shop. In the morning we park here, Mark John goes to the front, I go to the back. We walk the property lines and pick up any trash, well, scooters laying around. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's how we start our day. At five in the morning, it's still dark out and the scooters are faint, blurry outlines in the distance. There are only a few people on the street and Borelli is walking through a back alley behind the shopping center. And it's no guarantee we'll find anything up here. It's, it's hit or miss every day. It's different. 
sometimes on the weekends we'll come up here and there'll be a half a dozen and, and sometimes we'll come up here and, like right now and I might not find even one. As he doesn't see any lying around, he works his way up the boulevard. After a few minutes, Borelli spots a delinquent scooter on the property of a hotel that's contracted with Scoot Scoop. It's also in a fire lane. He pulls out his phone and starts the process of ticketing, yes, they write their own tickets, and then towing his first scooter of the morning. So what we do is we fill out a, a tracking form for each scooter, which is it's a very simple form that we've created. We fill out the type of scooter it is, uh, where we found it, uh, the device ID number we'll get in a second here. We'll take a picture of the location right now so we can show the scooter company where we found it, and I'll even include the sign that says tow away here basically, and they'll see that it's in a fire lane. And then we'll take a picture of the QR code on the top up here. Turn my flash on. All told, it takes about a minute. And once he's done, Borelli grabs the scooter and starts rolling it back to the truck. But that can be a little tricky and noisy because there's an alarm. Pushing this scooter without paying for it sets it off. But if we walk fast enough right now over there, the alarm should shut off and we should be able to roll them. If we walk slow, the, the wheels will lock up on us and the alarms will blare. Ready, set, go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> this particular beep belongs to Lime. Do the Lime alarms sound different from the bird alarms? They do. The bird alarms squawk <laughs> like a bird. Which alarm is more annoying, the bird or the lime? The bird. By far. You'll see soon. Annoying, sure. But a theft deterrent... Mm, not so much. And they kind of remind me of car alarms. You hear them, but you probably ignore them. Or try to. Oh my goodness, he warned me that these were more annoying than the lime ones. I didn't believe him. Those beeps and squawks will follow Borelli and Heinkel all day long, like some personal soundtrack, as they roll the scooters to their truck and then play a kind of scooter Tetris to eventually load 50 of them into the back. This is kind of our ground zero here for scooters. We started out here a year and a half ago, uh, removing scooters from just this property. This property was probably netting us about, on an average weekday, we were probably picking up about 30 to 40 scooters a day from here. On the weekends, it was probably double that number. Scoot Scoop has a growing list of nearly 350 properties whose owners have contracted with them to rid their grounds of park scooters. Borelli and Heinkel's daily route takes them past many of those locations, but they also rely on part-time employees back at the office to check on the very apps people use to rent the scooters. They can then see if riders are dropping scooters off at properties Scoot Scoop services. In the last year, Heinkel and Borelli say they have towed about 15,000 errant scooters, some of them possibly repeat offenders. Despite that haul, there can be a sense of futility to what they're doing, even if it's good for business. We can't get it all. There's no way. It's impossible unless we were out at every property with a person standing there all day long to get them all. Once the truck is full, Borelli and Heinkel take the scooters to one of their temporary storage lots nearby. Eventually, many of them will end up piled several feet high, row after row, at a private tow yard east of San Diego. And if you have ever had your car towed, and it is not a pleasant experience, trust me, you know you do not want it to sit at the tow lot for long, because the cost only rises every day. Same goes for scooters. If the companies want to get them back out onto the streets, according to Scoot Scoop, they'll have to pay a $50 impound fee and a daily storage fee of $2 a day for each scooter. So you figure if we're holding 10,000 scooters right now, there's a $20,000 per day uh, storage fee every day sitting out at our yard. It's quite a big check. (laughs) 
Yeah, we can buy a lot of coffee and donuts with that. <laughs> at first, some companies paid up, like at the end of 2018, when Bird wrote a check for more than $40,000 to retrieve about 1,800 scooters. And Borelli and Heinkel, they kept on towing. But at a certain point, as the scooters were piling up in the tow yard, Bird and Lime said, wait a minute, can Scoot Scoop even do this? So in March of this year, one day apart, both companies sued. They allege that Borelli and Heinkel are illegally impounding their scooters and then demanding a ransom for their return. In a statement, a spokesman for Lime said, Scoot Scoop has repeatedly been observed taking scooters that are responsibly parked and that their attempts to deputize themselves as an extension of the city is not only unlawful, but it is nothing more than a property theft scheme to generate income. Borelli and Heinkel deny these claims, including comments that they tow scooters that are properly parked. In fact, just hearing that description gets a rise out of Heinkel. At what point is a scooter properly parked on private property when you do not have permission from the property owner to park it there? That's a mouthful. Borelli and Heinkel have sued the companies in turn. That includes allegations against Lime over an early morning skirmish with two men who allegedly broke into one of Scoot Scoop's impound lots trying to retrieve Lime scooters. In a statement, a spokesman for the company said, while we can't comment on active litigation, this is a disturbing report and such aggressive behavior is never tolerated on the Lime platform. In most cities, if you park your car in someone else's driveway or on their property without their permission, you know you're running the risk of getting your car towed. But with electric scooters, that's not so clear. Heinkel tries to explain. No legal authority has declared whether or not they're a vehicle or not. Everyone has their theory. Um, Does it fall under the vehicle code, which in California is 22658? Or does it not fall under the vehicle code? And it's no different than if I was to leave a washing machine or a microwave out there or a couch. And so there is no written policy one way or the other. So yeah, we are. The scooter companies argue they are vehicles. Borelli and Heinkel say, whatever they are, we've got our bases covered and are acting legally. In the end, a court decision may define what a scooter is and who can tow them. But what it will not do is fix the other problems San Diego residents have, how the scooters are being ridden. Who's answerable for that? That's after the break. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
we're back. So the Scoot Scoop guys are trying to tackle one issue people have with e-scooters, where riders leave them once they're done. And just to be clear, Borelli and Heinkel say they don't have a personal vendetta against scooters. It's not the scooter itself. Don't don't take it in the wrong context. We do like the device in the sense that it does fit a niche in society to short travel quickly. What they do take issue with is how riders use them to get wherever they're going. The problem that these scooter companies all face is that they have no control over that person when they ride it and where they park it and how they ride it. Yeah, this is driving me crazy because this is actually something government can fix. I mean, there is a solution. This, again, is Barbara Bree with the San Diego City Council. I mean, there's some things in life you can't fix, but this one we could. When she first heard about e-scooters in her city, she thought, oh, this needs to be managed or there's going to be a lot of safety issues. I see a mom and a child on a scooter. I see two people on a scooter, which is illegal. I see people on the sidewalks on the scooters. I mean, our police do not have the bandwidth to enforce that. Recently, the city passed new regulations to crack down on speeding and sidewalk riding. It's even created designated parking areas for scooters. And the police have stepped up enforcement. According to the San Diego Tribune, since July, they've issued nearly 500 traffic tickets, more than half to people riding on sidewalks. The city has also impounded over 3,700 scooters parked illegally on public property, which the Scoot Scoop guys are not allowed to tow. Since those new rules, two scooter companies, Jump and Skip, have <clears throat> jumped and skipped town. Borelli says the new regulations have also led to enormous changes around his rental shop. He says slower speeds have made the scooters less fun for riders, at times even pedestrians walk faster, and that it's almost a ghost town for scooters around the beach. But Barbara Bree argues that still isn't enough. I don't think you can police individuals, and that's why I'm still calling for a moratorium until we can figure out a reasonable way to have a reasonable number, a number that we can enforce on. Representatives for the two biggest scooter operators, Bird and Lime, say they are in regular talks with city officials and that they want to work with them to update rules and regulations that will benefit riders and non-riders alike. They also say San Diego residents have embraced the scooters, taking millions of rides on them, whether to commute or to have another way to get around without having to drive. And the two companies acknowledge they have a role in how people use their scooters. For example, both provide trainings and information about safety when riding scooters and the proper way to park them. That said... I think people wouldn't hate scooters if scooter riders didn't ride on sidewalks. This is Sarah Kaufman. She's the associate director at the Rudin Center for Transportation at New York University, and she studies new technologies and transit. And why are they riding on sidewalks? Because the streets aren't safe enough for them to ride on. And that's because of the kind of lawlessness of most American roads <laughs> and the driving culture that most American cities have. So, yes, people riding e-scooters need to be more responsible and change their behavior. But if cities want to encourage that, Kaufman says they'll probably need to do more than pass new regulations and increase enforcement. Working with the scooter companies, cities could create dedicated bike lanes that allow for scooters, or they could slow down cars to reduce accidents and fatalities. Because if it's not the e-scooters, it'll be something else. There is a good chance scooters are fads. But there will be something next, and something after that, and something after that, and it won't be a car. It'll be something that helps people get around in a more healthy and fun way. Cities need to be ready because there are more companies like Bird and Lime waiting in the wings, ready to roll out ambitious, game-changing ideas. And when they do, 
they'll ask for forgiveness instead of permission because that philosophy has worked. Even Borelli and Heinkel aren't immune to it. I think that somebody should be being paid to, to clean up their mess if they can't do it themselves. I don't know the answer, but we feel that we are part of the, the solution in a huge problem that's growing nationwide. And he's being polite. We do know the answer. We're just not going to give it out for free. As they crack jokes in their pickup truck and drink giant cups of 7-Eleven coffee, remember, this is a business, potentially a very lucrative one. They're even seeking investors and venture capital to expand to cities across the country. Pretty much a lot of the major cities that you're reading in the media right now that have scooter problems, like Atlanta, like uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, uh, Seattle, Austin, Texas, Texas. uh, Los Angeles, just to name a few. Berlin, Germany. We actually, Paris and Berlin have contacted us as well. Canada. They saw an opportunity and moved in fast. Just another startup that uses technology, some physical labor, and long hours with the hope of a big financial payoff down the line. Who does that sound like? So it started as... The common man against a multi-billion dollar corporation. They hope will turn into a booming, profitable business as well. And now we're introducing a new segment of our show called What in the World? You write us in our Facebook group and send us emails all the time with funny, surprising, and even heartwarming household name brand stories. That is, they're household name brands for you, but sometimes we've never heard of them. So today we're going to find out what they are. I brought in producers Sarah Wyman. Hello. And Julia Press. Hi. And Julia, you're going to tell us about what exactly is it that you're going to tell us about? Okay, so a couple of months ago, we heard from a listener about a product called Freddo. 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 What is a Freddo? So that part of the story, at least, is pretty basic. It's a type of chocolate. And I asked a bunch of our listeners and some of our coworkers from the UK and Australia to help me explain. A Freddo is a chocolate frog. It's smaller than my palm. I'd say it's about half the size of my palm. I like to get the big one. <laughs> it's kind of like well known in the UK as like a treat that you have when you're quite a small child. When I was a little girl, if I got up early enough and went with my dad to get the Sunday paper, I was allowed to buy a comic book and a Freddo. Came in a purple wrapper. They all had the price printed on the wrapper. So this is important. In the UK specifically, you cannot talk about Freddo's without talking about how much they cost. And that was 10p or 10 pence. And how much is 10 pence actually? I feel like I hear that tossed around all the time, but... Yeah, so it's about 13 cents in US dollars. Oh, so these are cheap. Yeah, these are really cheap. The whole idea behind Freddo's and a lot of the reason that people love them is because you could just grab a 10 pence coin out of your pocket and you could have a little chocolate. Growing up, teachers would often use them all the time in equations. You'd have one Freddo plus one Freddo. Freddos were notoriously a 10p chocolate item. You associate the price with a Freddo as much as you do the frog and the chocolate. I wouldn't say it went as far as being slang for 10p, but it definitely was verging where people were like, oh, how much is it? And you'd almost be like, oh, it's like four Freddos worth. This was the case for a long time. Throughout the 90s and the early 2000s, Freddo's were 10 pence. But in 2007, 
the price started creeping up a little bit each year. And for kids who grew up knowing that a Freddo cost 10p, this was a huge deal. When I was growing up, there's two things that I thought were kind of a given. One, Santa was real. That got dispelled. And two, Freddos were 10p. <laughs> so <laughs> this poor guy is so disillusioned, right? <laughs> and so for young Brits like him who were growing up while this was happening, Freddo became a way for them to understand the rising cost of goods and inflation. It was like the Freddo being 10p was a reference point. Even though the Freddo itself never changed, it's still this little chocolate frog. It just keeps getting more expensive as a way to show this is what inflation looks like. Right, exactly. It was probably definitely like the first time I came across like the the price of a product rising in that way. Then in 2017, the unthinkable happened. The cost of a Freddo hit 30p. Wow. 30p. So that's triple what it had been in the 90s. Exactly. So as you can imagine... The British internet went crazy. There were Facebook groups and online petitions. There was even a protest on the streets of London. 5P Freddos! 5P Freddos! 5P Freddos! <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were never 5P to begin with, but like, sure, go for it. <laughs> uh, so this weirdly turned into a huge controversy. Like, even Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, weighed in. Would you lower the price of Freddos? Think, try it. I think we need to examine this question in some detail. <laughs> Government action at work. He is treating it with all the severity that it deserves. Like, this is a serious <laughs> controversy that they have on their hands. People were really fired up about the cost of a Freddo going up. And people saw the price hitting 30p and they were like, hold up. Inflation does not explain this. Like, this is not normal. Something else is going on. Something more is happening here. And turns out they were right. The cost of Freddo went up at a rate five times faster than inflation. In fact, if it had been rising with inflation, in 2017, it should have only cost 14p, but instead it cost 30. That's a 200 percent increase. So do we know why this happened? Well, there are a couple different theories that people give to explain it. The first pins the blame on us, the Americans. The American Revolution was years ago. (laughs) Move on. (laughs) They need to let it go. Let it go. (laughs) But basically, all you need to know is that Freddo, which used to be owned by Cadbury, was acquired by an American company. And so a lot of disgruntled British people saw this as this giant multinational corporation taking over this classic British brand and hiking up the prices. Like the narrative being like um, great British brand kind of bought by faceless overseas company. But it could also have been because importing cocoa to the UK got more expensive and Brexit made that even worse by weakening the pound. Other chocolate products also got more expensive around this time, but other chocolate products didn't have their price printed in bright yellow on the label for everyone to see. So I think maybe it's because Freddo's price was so well known to begin with that people really noticed they when the price went They had something to up. get upset about. Right. If you told me the price of a Snickers bar today, I wouldn't be able to say that's more expensive than when I was a kid because I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, so even if you didn't eat a Freddo, people just knew it was 10p. It was almost as if a breakup as if because you have upped your price and abandoned the brand identity you were built upon, like this can no longer continue, this relationship we have. It's kind of like people of my generation in the UK, it's almost like a little bit of a running joke, like the increasing price of Freddo's and like, you know, whatever that like implies about the world. A lot in the UK is tied to nostalgia. I think that's the same for the turmoil politically that they're experiencing now. Everything is associated with, you know, the good old days. Tea, the royals, Buckingham Palace, 
The fact that, again, the 10p Freddo is the way it's always been done, the fact that that would change goes against that nostalgia too. Just like Freddo was an easy way for kids to understand inflation, it's also become this easy way for people to grasp globalization and see the ways that other countries and capitalism are impacting them. (laughs) Sometimes a piece of candy is more than just a piece of candy. Right. In this case, it's a lot more than just a piece of candy. It was a way to remember what was perceived as like a simpler, happier time when chocolate was dirt cheap and you were a kid and everything was rosy, rather than actually being a concerted consumer campaign to affect real change. But it actually did affect real change. After this whole hubbub, the price dropped 5p from 30 to 25, and that's where it still is today. So in the midst of all this anger and frustration about the cost of a Freddo, I mean, are people still forking up the 25 pence to eat the candy? I have to say that despite all the controversy, people still feel an allegiance to this candy. And a lot of the people that I talk to still eat it. Yeah, so I was actually home a month ago and had a few of them. Everyone just buys them all the time. They're still around. Um, in my office on a Friday at four o'clock, they bring out drinks, so like beer and wine, but also like snacks. There's always Fridays in there and I like to have one. I love chocolate frogs. The one thing that I wish is that we did have one. Like, I would love to. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm going to dive in. Um, This is like another conversation, but like where, I wonder what's customary. Where should I start eating the Freddo? Do we... Oh, do you start from the top? Do I eat the head first? I I feel like that's more humane. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Julia, thanks so much. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for giving me an excuse to try them. Julia Press, Sarah Wyman, both producers here at Brought to You By. This is the last episode in this mini-season of Brought to You By. We'll be back with a full season early next year. In the meantime, let us know what you think by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. We'd love to know whether there are scooters in your hometown. Do you love them? Hate them? Throw them in your local body of water? And, um, why? Let us know. We're at BTYB Pod on Twitter. That's BTYB, like brought to you by. And as always, you can send us customer service questions and episode ideas at brought to you by at insider.com or in our Facebook group. Just search brought to you by podcast. That was a lot of info. So if you want to go ahead and click the 15 second rewind and hear it again, do it. I do it all the time. This episode was reported and produced by Sarah Wyman, Julia Press, and me, Charlie Herman. You also heard reporting that aired on ABC 10 News. Special thanks to Will Hunsbury, Alex Apollonia, and Jennifer Siegel. You heard from Daniel Goldstein, Bob Hunt, Sophie Kleeman, Sandra Pascoe, Nicole Phillips, Rob Price, Elliot Rose, Ali and Oscar Shelton, and Lydia Warren in our segment about Freddo's. And thanks to Grace Kelly, you can watch the whole Freddo protest video on her YouTube channel, Hippie Scumbag. Bill Moss is our sound engineer. Music from Audio Network. Casey Holford and John Delore composed our theme. Our editor is Carolyn DeBole. Sarah Wyman is our showrunner. Brought to you by is a production of Insider Audio. Insider Audio.